Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, gang? Uh, so today, Patrick Chapin's going to be on. This is actually a bonus episode. So we recorded too much on Monday, and so we're separating out the Grixis Control uh, deck tech. It, you know, this weekend is the last pre-TQ for Modern, and so we wanted to make sure we get this deck tech out to you guys so you have the information if you're going to play the deck, if you're going to play against the deck, or if you want to maybe audible in the deck last minute. Here's the information. Uh, we want to once again thank Patrick Chapin. Uh, the full episode will be out Monday with where we talk about card draw, Chapin's magic history, a lot of good information on how to play magic to the next level. Um, and we will see you guys uh, in a couple seconds. See you soon. So let's, uh, let's get into your deck because I'm more interested in talking about that today. Um, so yeah, your Grixis deck. First of all, Congratulations, did, Grixis yeah, is good. <laughs> congratulations on it being awesome. When did you identify that this was going to be something? What was the GP you played this at? Was it six weeks ago? Five, six weeks ago? Yeah, uh, was it? Was that? Was that when Providence? Something. Yeah, I like think that. so. I think it was Grand Prix Providence. Probably five weeks ago sounds right. Six weeks ago, something like that. When did you identify that Grixis control was going to be nuts? That you were super excited to sleeve it up. Well, I guess I don't necessarily think of it in those terms, but it was more of a, uh, so in the beginning, uh, Treasure Cruise was printed and it was good. Right. And I played Treasure <laughs> Cruise at, uh, at the World Championships and uh, exoed the modern portion. And that deck was busted. I mean, people knew about it beforehand, but I think there were a lot of people who didn't think that it was as busted as it was. It was not beatable. And uh, Treasure Cruise got banned, but I immediately started working on other delve cards because Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time are not the only ways to delve. And uh, as soon as Tassiker and Gurmega Angler were printed, I started experimenting with them. And it was a little tricky at first because I didn't necessarily, not everybody was as interested in making Gurmega Angler Tassiker decks. But uh, eventually, uh, you know, when I was preparing for Grand Prix Providence, once I switched back into thinking about modern mode, um, basically just already had the idea from uh, Paul Rietzel and I's Worlds deck, um, the deck that Paul Rietzel, Matt Sperling, and I came up with for Worlds, where it's just like, let's try replacing Treasure Cruise with Tassiger and see what happens, which is what I did for the Pro Tour before. I just ended up settling on Esper instead of Grixis, but eventually realized that Grixis would have been better. So I don't know. I don't know that there's a, spe a specific time. You got to understand, I have never played a modern format that I didn't build a Grixis deck for. You've been trying in my the whole entire time. life. So like, I, this is this is I don't know. Uh, it's weird to say that I realized this was going to be a time where it worked out. Uh, I mean, it's it's more that I did the thing I do every single time, and then it worked out this time around. Yeah, I mean, I I, I try other decks too. It's just there's lots of things that I always try. And uh, Grixis is definitely one of them. And this is just a... I think that the important thing about that Providence deck, though, was a reconceptualization of what Grixis was looking like because I think initially a lot of people were very hung up on uh, Delver of Secrets and Young Pyromancer. And uh, uh, once you don't have Treasure Cruise anymore, it changes the dynamic of how you play. 
you know, like for instance, using terminate instead of burst lightning or, or vapor snag is a different direction conceptually and moving away, you know, basically once you don't have treasure crews, it, it makes it hard to want to play monastery swift spear. Right. And once you, you don't have monastery swift spear, then uh, delver of secrets starts getting a little bit worse. And, uh, and if you play, you know, if you play thought seas or inquisition or anything like that, which I didn't end up playing there, but the more counter spells you play, the uh, the worse young pyromancer gets, and uh, basically I kind of just started moving away fr from a Delver deck and moving closer to like some of the Grixis Vidalcan Shackles control decks. There's some people because there are some people you know like Gerard Fabiano, um, excellent excellent deck builder. He uh, he was experimenting a lot. Him and Matt Costa played a Grixis deck that used Tassiger. But it was like a blood moon deck. It was like a, a, a blue moon deck that splashed black for terminate. Or not even, they didn't even play terminate. They played just, I think, like go for the throat and, uh, and Tassiger in their Vidalcan Shackles blood moon deck. And I kind of ended up moving a little bit closer towards the direction of where I think they were trying to go. You know, like we, we kind of ended up meeting a little bit. I started from the Delver side, and so I used a little bit more cantrips and, uh, and, and I guess that's a, a rambling sort of bunch of words about Grixis. Sure, sure, sure. Well, so first tell us, like, <laughs> what is the deck trying to do exactly? I mean, like, what – your game plan. What's the game plan? So it it's a little bit different than some of the Delver of Secrets decks that people have played in the past. The That Grixis deck, it's it's much more like um, a next-level blue style of deck where you put out a Tarmogoyf and protect it. Right. And you kind of just use counter spells to make sure that your opponent doesn't, you know, kill you outright. But you mostly are just – taking advantage of the fact that your cards are super, 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 super efficient. And uh, rather than play with a two mana four five, you get to play with a one mana five five or a one mana four five that draws cards. And uh, and you, you have tons of card advantage, but instead of using like a Cruel Tomatum or Sphinx's Revelation where you try to get all your card advantage from one card, you have tons of two-for-ones. Snapcaster Mage is a two-for-one. Colligan's Command is a two-for-one. Cryptic Command is a two-for-one. There's all these cards that are two-for-ones, and they snowball together. And then when you combine that with the fact that the deck has a very low lane count compared to a lot of decks because of the fact that it has so many cantrips, allowing it to find land early when it needs it, it has this virtual card advantage because later in the game it draws spells more frequently than, than other decks, and it takes so little mana for it to operate because almost every card in the deck costs so little absolutely so the you, you mentioned the history of the deck a little bit where it came from it's the genesis of the the delver decks and all that um if you were going to go to this tournament i'm planning on taking your deck was two on sunday what, what would be the reasons i would justify to people why am i bringing this deck i mean aside from just thinking it's awesome but like am i you or am i me well, I'm going to steal your words and tell them to people on Sunday when they ask me why I'm playing it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if you were if you were telling somebody, why would you play it this weekend? It uses a bunch of the best cards. It's super, super mana efficient. It can be customized to be good against uh, a lot of things. It's generally good against a diverse field in which you don't necessarily know what all your opponents are going to play. Uh, it somebody who has a lot of experience with the format can leverage that experience to make good decisions with their library manipulation spells and modal cards. Um, and at the end of the day, it exploits the fact that Gurmag Angler and Tassiger are really, really abusive with fetch lands and hyper-efficient cantrips. And a cantrip dark ritual. Yeah, like Thought Scour in particular. <laughs> is really good. Um, okay, 
Go ahead, Jess. Uh, so I guess we've talked a lot about how Tasker and Gurmag Angler added to the deck, but I, I definitely want to talk about a little bit. What is Colgan's command really? Is that possibly the card that put this kind of over the top, or what? Do you think it's purely the Delve spells? Well, the Delve cards are the, the Delve cards are literally the only thing that make it possible. That's that is what is going on. But the uh, the Culligan's Command, I think, is why the deck is one of the defining decks of the format. Um, it, it's a radical change of the balance of power to have such powerful main deck artifact removal that is so good against everybody and interacts so well with Snapcaster Mage. And uh, the fact that Culligan's Command just upsets the apple cart with regards to what Affinity used to do in the format and, and how how you can interact with Tron and what you can do to a Dark Confidant. You know, like, Culligan's Command, is, it's, it's a very powerful card in a bunch of places that didn't used to have as much power put in them. And so it's changed the texture of the format and made it much more uh, hospitable for a deck like Grixis. So I get... By I get, way, one yeah. thing I would, I, would, I would like to note on the previous, on your question about why one should play it or not. Yeah. I think that the 30 best decks in, in Modern are all kind of close together in terms of their power level, and that there's actually much more advantage to be gained. If your only goal is to maximize your, your short-term win expectation, there's a lot of advantage to be gained to playing something that is your style, to play something that you enjoy, to play something that you understand the matchups of and have experience with, because all the decks are relatively close. I think that Grixis is something that I am experienced with, and I really enjoy it, and I think that Grixis is really well-tuned. It, but it is possible to tune other decks. And um, if your goal is to short-term win the most, I don't actually know that Grixis is the right choice, but it might be. You Only you can know that. But I know that long-term, getting tournament experience with all of the best decks is very, very powerful for a brewer. Anybody who brews a lot would do really well to enter a tournament at least one time with each of the most iconic decks that just kind of stand the test of time because that new perspective gives you so many tools to use for, for your brews in the future. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. So, um, that, so, so, so you've, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like you've written before about the power of the fairies deck when it was in standard years ago and the difference in play styles and when you had to make that decision, it's the who's the beatdown argument of you switching from tempo to control, right? That's I mean, it's a classic conversation people have. And I want to say you even talk about it in your book. But this deck, because you get to play a big threat early and you have so many of these two-for-one control cards, does it have a same the similar functionality or yet one point Absolutely. In the game? That's just yeah, it's an aggro control deck. It's a classic aggro control deck. It's just like fairies, it's just like cobblade. You sometimes play uh, the aggressive role and sometimes the controlling role. And often what you'll do is you'll look like you're a control deck up until the moment you switch on a dime and then suddenly you are very, very aggressive and you're just trying to tempo your opponent out of the game. You know, like uh, a fairies deck used to do the same thing. It'll sit there and be like counterspell, kill your creature, counterspell, counterspell. And then all of a sudden, you uh, all of a sudden you're you're turning on them and you're like, okay, now I'm just going to try to go miss my click, miss my click or or hit you with my fairies enough times to kill you before uh, before you can you can get back into this game. Um, the Grixis deck does the same thing. It can sit there and be like, okay, I'll bolt that, I'll counterspell that, counter that, destroy you that artifact. Next thing you know, you you start hitting them with a five five, and it only takes a couple turns before they're dead. 
And sometimes next thing you know is the second turn of the game. But it could, it could switch, you know, depending on the texture of the game. It could be turn two, or, but it could be turn ten. Absolutely. That's one of the big skills with a deck like this. Any kind of aggro control deck is identifying what, is, what are you currently playing as the control or as the aggression. And, uh, and I think the fundamental difference between a deck like this and, like a, a, for instance, a merfolk deck, a fish deck, which can have some similarities and that has creatures and some counterspells, a difference between a Grixis deck and a Merfolk deck is uh, the classic aggro control versus fish, which is that uh, with a fish deck, you put out your clock as much as clock as you can, and you try to use a time walk or two to seal the deal. Whereas with a fairy deck or, or Grixis, it's like you're, you're doing a bunch of time walks early on until you can set up a situation where you clock your opponent. Sure, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, so uh, a question I was trying to get to a little earlier and we can, we'll finish it. We get a lot of questions a lot of the time, uh, and recently because Grixis is a thing, we've been getting them less, but the question is what type of card needs to be printed to make control viable in modern? And the biggest answer people generally give is some type of, you draw a bunch of cards and from wizard's perspective, at least they've said this and, and from testing that generally leads to decks like, um, Splinter Twin becoming more powerful. The reason I was talking about Colgan's Command is I do think that's the type of card advantage, that's the type of card draw, bunny ear quotation marks, um, that these type of control decks need more to be more viable in modern versus something like draw three cards for one mana, which obviously uh, was too good. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I would play with draw three cards for one mana. <laughs> that's just a rate issue. I think at the end of the day, it's not so much which kind of card advantage. It's mostly just a function of rate and efficiency uh, with regards to the texture of modern. Like I say efficiency, so normally efficiency would just be right also, but like modern in specific makes you really, really, really value mana being as cheap as possible because every additional mana that something costs is at a premium when every single card is under-costed. You know, and in modern, basically the entire format is all things that are under-costed. And so the different, like if everything is under-costed, the, uh, you know, like in standard... So everything being a card being one mana too cheap that costs six the difference between five and six in standard might be a big deal but the difference between five and six in modern might not mean anything because they're both just too expensive anyway right <laughs> right once you're there it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if elspeth cost five you still probably wouldn't get to play her in in modern probably well not according to i don't know i would guys. play i i could i could imagine playing elspeth if she costs five yeah i know you love that card it's like <laughs> and i i played elspeth at costing six in modern so i could definitely see playing it at five that sounds like a good time that's, <laughs> that's so healthy quickly on the subject of grixis and maybe it's in the deck what's the best card drawing spell in modern the best card drawing spell in modern is Snapcaster Mage. Excellent. It is in the deck. <laughs> Fantastic. How do you feel about that card being $100 plus? Predictable. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it, that's that's definitely something that was coming up. All right. So the next step just going to... up. <laughs> um, well, it could be the RPTQ or the yeah RPTQ promo next year. Do I don't, I don't even know if they did anything. I price. hope they reprint it. I hope they reprint it. You know, like Modern Masters 3 better have it because. Oh, uh, yeah. That card is going to keep going up in value. It's the best creature in Magic, you know. Yeah, well, it's definitely going to be in. in I mean, if it's not before, it'll definitely be in Modern Masters three. There's no question. Unless there's like a return to Anastrod, and it's just there, I guess. But okay, like so... if like if Vegas had odds that I could go put down like a thousand dollars, and they gave me any kind of odds, even if they were just like three to one odds, 
that Snapcaster Mage would be in it, I would just put the money down to tomorrow. Like, there's, no, there's not even a <laughs> doubt in my mind. All right. So awesome. <laughs> so moving on to the gauntlet. So uh, let's let's take Grixis through some of the best decks in modern and see like how you'd kind of deal with those matchups or how those matchups would kind of play. Yeah, out. just a few words on each one. Uh, so black green X deck. So Jund or Junk. Uh, play to play card advantage. Um, make sure you don't lose to a dark confidant. Uh, I actually decrease the amount of Gurmag anglers uh, that I play with because and focus more on winning with like Snapcaster mages and uh, Fulminator mages and uh, card advantage and just try to grind them out because they're very good at killing creatures and they're going to board in like all these answers to your fatties. So try to win with your other cards. Fair. All right, uh, Twin and all of its variations. Uh, playing with a bunch of uh, very efficient cards that interact with them. The main thing is that you baseline just crush them anyway. So just don't lose to like Batter Skull and Jace Architect of Thought and Blood Moon and Karanos, you know? Like as long as you don't lose to the weird cards, you baseline beat them anyway. Uh, the big mana decks are Tron and or Amulet Bloom. The most important thing is to not play against them. But if you, <laughs> if you do have to play against them, uh, hit them from a lot of different angles. You have to play with tons of cards to interact with them. you got to obviously you know, do things like uh, against... But first of all, Fulminator Mage is the most important. But uh, also Shadow Doubt is amazing if you have it in your deck. But uh, just figure out which battles you can actually fight them on and try to tempo them out, both of them, because you can't win going long against either one of them. You have to try to temple them out. So try to put down a clock and time walk them three times, you know? Fair enough. All right. Uh, the general aggro strategy. So affinity, elves, merfolk, the, all the creatures decks. Kill everything. Okay. <laughs> um, and... I also just board in damnation and damnation is great, but just kill everything. Board in more cards that kill things. If you have an option to kill things or play something that doesn't kill things, kill things instead. As of today, how many dispels would you play main deck in this deck? Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at enough tournament results to know for sure, but I would play one or two main deck, and I would always I would sideboard up to four for sure. Yeah, it's such a good card right now. All right. Uh, so those are kind of specific decks. What would you say is the worst and best matchups for this deck? Uh, worst matchup is definitely collected company without question. Some kind of a collected company, but not like weird collected company with like artifacts, for instance, but collected <laughs> company with like, uh, Night of the Relic yeah, yeah, exactly. Like voice of resurgence, kitchen finks, Night of the reliquary. Somebody's just trying to like grind you out. Um, that's the worst matchup without question. Weren't you like and, Owen 15 testing against Coco before the pro tour? Yeah. Well, before and the... in the, and in the grand prix, I just didn't win any matches at all. Like, or any games, so just nothing. Um, the best matchup, uh, there are a lot of extremely good matchups. Uh, so what is the best matchup? Twin? I I don't know. There's a whole bunch of matchups that I've never lost a game. And I've played like a lot, so I don't know. That's I guess deck. like that's that's just, normally just the hardest. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess uh, the best matchup is the mirror. Really? If somebody the fake mirror though, if somebody plays like a Delver of Secrets deck, it's just like your deck but worse in every way. And you can just kill their threats, but they can't kill your threats. I don't know. I I I don't know. I think that that 
it's there's there's a bunch of matchups. Basically, if somebody just does something that's fair, but uh, if if somebody is, I don't know. There's a lot of things that are like that. Twin, I guess. Same thing. Twin is like a, a worse mirror. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then uh, last thing even about- Jund is like a worse mirror. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, Last thing. um, What are some special things to keep in mind? If I'm going to take this deck or Ben's taking this deck, apparently, this weekend (laughs) to a tournament, uh, what type, what are, like, you know, cool, tricky things that, you know, you might not necessarily see the first time playing it? What are some special things you want to maybe bring up for people to keep in mind? Uh, Things to keep in mind when you play Grixis that are special? Or or Um, just in general. I know that almost everybody does this wrong, which is that when they play against Burn, they always want stuff like Spellskite. They're like, oh, Spellskite will protect me, Sun Droplet. But every Burn player in the world always boards in their Smash to Smithereens or Destructive Revelry or whatever card they have that does that kind of thing. And that's not the right way to fight them anyway. If you take out all your cards that cost three or more, and you instead just make your deck nothing but think, like your instants cost two or less, and your cards that you have to play in your turn cost one. And that's it. And the spell's and it, sweet. <laughs> absolutely. That's even better, because that's a card you can play in your opponent's turn that costs one. But if you just make all your cards super, super cheap and trade with their cards, then you end up winning because they functionally have to they have to like be they have to use five cards. They have to use five cards to beat you. And uh, you don't have to let them get five cards ahead because you can keep trading with them. And then your anglers and tassigers beat every card in their deck. Oh, also, make sure to sideboard out Cryptic Commands if, if Cryptic Commands seems slow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it costs four. It's, it's d- difficult to justify. I know, I know you want to justify it, but... Uh... No, you still put, you can play it in the main deck, and it's awesome, I think. I just, what I mean is that when sideboarding, I think a lot of people don't sideboard out Cryptic Command as much as they should. In yeah. particular, oh. against blue decks, because they're, you know they're going to have a four Dispels, and if they have a bazillion Dispels, you don't want to have to Cryptic Command all the time. Fair so enough. So just be careful about having very many. And once again, I want to thank Patrick Chapin uh, for coming on. Uh, we are at the MMCast on Twitter. I am at Ben Bateman Media. I am at Cass Wiley. Uh, remember to go check out the Command Zone. They do awesome commander content. To find Chapin, go to Star City Games. Uh, he is also, he has a Facebook page. He is uh, The P. Chapin on Twitter, at The P. Chapin. So check him out. And remember to follow him next Monday when we release the full episode. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and we will see you guys on Monday. See you soon. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>